fine i'm just tired i just went for a run so i'm just kind of like tired and sweaty well that sounds exciting i thought about going really. for i thought about going for a run um or like taking up running but then i'm like oh, what happens if i fall that's fair <laughs> i'm usually very concerned with getting Murdered, especially here in upstate New York, because there's no sidewalks. So I'm like literally running in the street. So I'm like, it's a perfect crime of opportunity. Like someone could just snatch, scoop you. me up. Yeah. Or two, like if someone just like snaps and has like the impulse to like hit me with their car and keep going, <laughs> no one's gonna see them, and my body's gonna be in like a cornfield. So true. Or more likely, someone like driving drunk, and. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. At like any point of the day, someone can be inebriated and <laughs> hit me. Well, but let's hope that never happens, because that would. Suck. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I that would be a, a pretty big bummer. I'd have to carry this podcast all on my own. Ugh, too much. Work. But you could change the podcast, and it could be investigated. My murder. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've said this before. <laughs> like. Probably at some um, point. Yeah, we are obviously preoccupied with Rachel's murder, unfortunately. <laughs> Fingers crossed yes, that never happens. You know, um, Got to be on your toes, you know? Yeah, and, you know, just in case questions ever arise, I didn't do it. I would never no. do it. <laughs> no, Natalie's also located in a different state than I am at most times, so there would be, like, a trail of some sort. You wouldn't be able to get away with it. Exactly. You have to be, like airplane or like you had to stop for gas how are you gonna pay for that like it it would just be too much work i feel like for you to murder me so unless i walked yeah but let's be honest <laughs> are I you gonna walk that far yeah i won't go outside for a run <laughs> doesn't seem worth let it alone <laughs> yeah so well yeah. Um, so odds are i'm surviving just a bit longer oh that's good yeah. Do you, do you want to hear a really horrifying story? Yeah. Okay. And I feel like this is going to prepare me for, like, future in life. For, like, if you have kids and they misbehave in some way, I feel like you, as the parent, feel somewhat responsible. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, we're staying with Evan's parents right now. And uh, the parents' cat, Squeaker, was at... The lake house this weekend so we came back early to like see gary and get ready for the the work week and gary just goes and takes a poop in squeaker's litter box and it smelled so bad and i felt horrible because that's like a, a thing for cats is like if you have more than one cat you have to have like multiple litter boxes because it's like a private thing and <laughs> gary has her own litter box mind you that is clean ready for using and she just 
goes and takes a poop right in Squeaker's box. And it... I feel like I would feel the same way if, like, my kid pooped somewhere. <sighs> I would just be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, your kid, like, pooping on the bathroom, like, the floor. <laughs> like... At, like, their friend's house or something? Yeah. Or, well, no. I've, like, I've heard, like, I heard someone, I forgot what what it was, but someone was like, yeah, like, you know, we were at, you know, a restaurant, and, like, they really needed to go to the bathroom, and the next thing I know, they pooped on the floor in the bathroom. They're just, they're just, oh, my God, that's horrifying, especially as, like, a ex-restaurant worker, because you know that, like, one of the servers is gonna have to clean it up. I mean, That's if your horrifying. kid, like, if your kid does that, like, pick your kid's poop up. Like, you've wiped it up before. Like, come on. Oh, you absolutely should. But, like, yeah. are you actually going to? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Either way, um, it's mortifying. But also, maybe Gary confused herself for Squeaker and thought that that was why that thought that that was her litter box i i mean i feel like cats can smell they can smell and be like this is not my area so i feel like it was like intentional it was like sabotage of like take that (laughs) oh gary yeah has ollie pooped anywhere um lately (laughs) no like he so sometimes i'll do like long walks um just around like the neighboring neighborhood um and he will like get super so he'll walk on the sidewalk fine but like as we're crossing like the street like he is going like left and right and like freaking out um and just like super excited and he'll like just poop in the middle of the road (laughs) and like okay okay that's that's one way to do it Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pink Collar Crime, a true crime podcast focusing exclusively on crimes committed by women. I'm Rachel. And I'm Natalie. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Each week, we're going to tell you about one or two cases of crimes committed by women and discuss details, motives, similarities, and differences, etc., etc. If you like our show, tell your friends. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and tell us what you love or don't love about the show. And give us a follow on social media at pinkcollar underscore pod. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a really fun time for you. <laughs> Much, you know, I came in with my horrific crime committed by Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, vandalizing property. Uh, and then you have this. So I, I feel like my thing is... A little bit less exciting, but sure. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, on that note, um, so this week I did another one of my one-word recommendations for Natalie, this um, crime I've been wanting to cover for a while. So I just went with the topic of sports. And whatever Natalie's going to do with it, we'll find out. But my case is going first. Um, So as per usual, subscribe, review our podcast. I actually do want to announce that I 
made our first donation to the National Center for Victims of Crime based on the reviews that that we already received. I actually use the website as a resource for my case. So I was like, okay, this this is fitting. So if you would like us to continue to make donations, please, uh, we will do a dollar for each review we get. We, we hope that it's a positive one, but I guess if you really don't like us, we'll still donate the money. That is, that's fine too. Okay. Um, so this case I actually discovered while reading The Gift of Fear, which is a phenomenal book, I feel like, for any like true crime person. It's just this I it was it's been a while since I read it, but it just like is great, tells you to like trust your gut and covers all these cases of like stalkers and like horrifying people. Um but tells you how to protect yourself. So it's like a good, you know, good resource anyway. Um, so also shout out to Wikipedia and the New York Times. This is where that's where I got the majority of information for my case, but as always the rest of my sources will be linked in the description below. Um, so I will go ahead and get started with my sports case. So Edward Stephen Waitkiss was the son of a Lithuanian or was the son of Lithuanian immigrants. He grew up in Boston and would later attend Boston College, which is means that practically he was my neighbor at some point in time before <laughs> long before I lived in the city. <laughs> um, in 1938, Eddie started his career in baseball playing for the Warumbo Indians not PC anymore, but I'm just reporting on the facts, a semi-professional team that was located in Maine. His nickname was The Natural because he just had, you know, a natural swing, whatever that means. And during World War II, Eddie ended up joining the U.S. Army and was awarded four bronze stars. It was said that he was in areas with um, high levels of combat, so he likely saw, you know, real action while he was there. Um, and when he, he was stationed at the Philippines, when he returned, he started playing on a little known baseball team called the Chicago Cubs. So Eddie was them. quite popular. I know, right? Like, I didn't get her. Um, <laughs> Eddie was quite popular in the media as he was a very well-educated man, and he was also fluent in Lithuanian, Polish, German, and French. Uh, so Eddie was a well-known baseball player, clearly, but this didn't end up being the only part of his legacy. So... Another another little story. Uh, Ruth Ann Steinhagen's parents immigrated from Berlin, Germany, while they were in their early twenties. Ruth herself. Um, also, I don't know if her name is Ruth Ann or just Ruth. It always confuses me when people have Anne as their middle name, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure if their name is like blank Anne or what, but I'm just going to be calling her Ruth. Um, so she was born in Cicero, Illinois on December 23rd, 1929. Her birth name was Ruth Catherine, but at some point in her youth, she adopted the middle name Anne, which I wasn't aware that we could just do that, that you could just like pick a different middle name at some point, but whatever. Um, so Anne had a hit, or, pff, 
I even wrote her name wrong. Ruth had a history of falling in love with unattainable men. She had a huge crush on Alan Ladd, a movie star, and Peanuts Lowry, a Cubs infielder. And I sincerely hope that was a nickname and that someone didn't name their child Peanuts. Um, so it's not, you know, unusual for people to have celebrity crushes. I, at some point in my life, had a life-size poster of Cody from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on my door but not when Zach. I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> well, the magazine came with Cody. I think I might have preferred Zack, honestly. No shade <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast. But that's just what came with the... It was like J14 or something like that. So I was like, I guess this will do. I feel like knowing that it, like, Zach or Cody was your type, like Evan, like fits. <laughs> what? Because they're blonde and mischievous. <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, so, not uncommon for people to have celeb crushes, but Ruth's crush on Eddie Waitkiss had started to become all-consuming. She was collecting pictures of him, talking about him all the time. And it wasn't just, you know, a couple photographs that she had in her room or like a poster on the back of her door or whatever. Uh, She had hundreds of pictures. She had created a shrine in her home and would lay out photos and newspaper clippings, looking at them for hours. And when having dinner, she would set a place for him to be there while she was eating. Ruth had also developed a taste for baked beans because Eddie was from the Boston area also known as Bean Town, I guess, something to do with baked beans. Um, and she also started to study Lithuanian because Eddie was of Lithuanian descent and he spoke Lithuanian. So That's Ruth would go commitment. to. Co- That's commitment. It you is. Know. Yeah. Wow. I'm part Lithuanian. My Well, I guess my ancestors came from Lithuania and I don't. Sure, Rachel. Know sure. anything. It, I, I am. I mean, I'm American first and foremost, and then I have ancestors from Lithuania, so I don't know if I can call myself Lithuanian, but... um, (laughs) So, Ruth here, she was going to Cubs games to watch Eddie play and would wait for him to come out of the clubhouse so she could, you know, get a look at him. She would later say, I had my first good look at him in 1947. I used to go to all the ball games just to watch him. We used to wait for them to come out of the clubhouse after the game, and all the time I was watching him, I was building in my mind the idea of killing him. As time went on, I just became nuttier and nuttier about the guy. I knew I would never get to know him in a normal way, so I kept thinking, I will never get him, and if I can't have him, nobody else can. Then I decided I would kill him. I didn't know how or when, but I knew I would kill him. So sharp left turn, you know, from big obsession to if I can't have you, then no one can have you. So I'm going to kill you. So very I feel distorted like thinking. Yeah, but I mean, that seems to just be the trajectory for things like this. Um, and I don't, sure. I mean, I get Sure. I Does it change your mind if I tell you that she was later diagnosed with schizophrenia? No, <laughs> but I mean, okay. no, like, I I guess it takes away, like, my, like, oh, this is, like, 
crazy and like I don't understand um because like you see it happen you see that things like this happen where you know insert diagnostically I guess there's no um mm-hmm. there's no like psychosis or anything like that um whereas in this case you know even thinking back to our slender man like one of the girls who had schizophrenia it's like well you're operating in some ways on a different like playing field but no no I, I i hear what you're saying you know it's not like at this point she is having thoughts like oh the devil told me i needed to kill him mm-hmm. it is following some sort of thought pattern based on personal feelings yeah um so her family was aware of her obsession and could tell she required some sort of medical intervention so she was actually sent to a psychiatrist in 1948 but it didn't appear that this treatment diminished her obsession in any way. Ruth was devastated when Eddie was traded to the Philadelphia Phillies in 1949. This kickstarted her development of a plan to carry out the murder of Eddie Wakus. So on June 14th, 1949, Ruth gave a very large tip of $5, which doesn't seem that big because in today's money it's a little over $50 um, to a bellhop at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago um, requesting they deliver a note to Eddie Wakus who was in town he was playing first base for the Phillies in a game against the Chicago Cubs. In that note Ruth had written Mr. Waitkiss, it's extremely important that I see you as soon as possible. We're not acquainted, but I have something of importance to speak to you about, and I think that it would be to your advantage to let me explain it to you. I realize this is a little out of the ordinary, but as I said, it's rather important. Please come soon. I won't take up too much of your time, I promise. And she wrote her room number and requested, you know, that Eddie come by, and she signed the note Ruth Ann Burns. While waiting for Eddie to show up, Ruth ordered two whiskey sours and a daiquiri from room service, which I feel like having alcohol involved is never a good idea. So Eddie got the note later in the evening after having dinner with his roommate, Russ Meyer's family, and uh, Russ's fiance. So he called Ruth's room at 11 p.m. and she was like, I'm not gonna, you know, close any details of this important request over the phone that's really important you have to come see me in person um Mm -hmm. so she was like can you wait 30 minutes i need to get dressed i've gone to bed and you can come up um so eddie believed the note might have been from like a friend or a friend of a friend i guess he was some way familiar with someone who had the last name burns so he was thinking it might have been someone he knew or someone who knew someone he knew um but also his son oh go ahead i was just just think of how like this problem could have been solved with an iphone <laughs> the type of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, just like, oh, do I know this person? Let me Google them. Oh, no. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, this was pre Google, yeah. pre, oh, I can just text my friend really quick. Yeah. And, and so be it's like, like, what's up with that? Yeah. So it's like, man, what else? I mean, obviously, you have the option of like not, like, not considering this at all, but it's like, this is what you do back then. Somebody sends you a right. note and you go. Scary times. Right. Well, ex- 
I mean, scary in a sense, but also too, and I'll point this out later, is there really wasn't any like recorded uh, history of like people stalking celebrities and attempting mm-hmm. to kill them. Like it just wasn't common knowledge or it just wasn't, you know, people didn't have the inclination to be like, oh, this person's probably going to kill me. I shouldn't go see them. Um, it wasn't common or well-known at all that people would do this to celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even really know, I guess he's a celebrity, but I just wonder if, because as far as baseball goes, I feel like there are a lot of baseball players that people who are familiar with baseball know, or like in their own cities, they're kind of that celebrity status. But mm-hmm. I feel like back then, baseball players weren't making that much money or didn't really carry that much celebrity status you know i feel like part of the reason why baseball players are celebrities today is because they make millions of dollars really um i feel like it's the reverse i feel like you were a big deal back then and like nowadays like i i couldn't name a baseball player that's in the baseball league today (laughs) but the baseball players these days make so much more money yeah like even the before I feel like baseball players were more accessible it'd be like oh you'd see yeah. a baseball player like taking the train yeah or well, I think, like you'd see him at a local bar well I think especially for the reason that you kind of said before about like there wasn't any like known or like on record kind of cases of like celebrities being stalked I think it was a similar thing back then for like all celebrities in a way like they were much more just thinking about like Selena like and that was the 90s <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know just being like much more accessible to people um and so i think that that's part of it but i feel like baseball like i guess n- making more money now i don't think equates to like your celebrity status whereas like i think you know they called it america's pastime for a reason and so i think people were probably a lot more into it or more like that was their only form of entertainment or something it could be it could be that it was i mean i guess the stadiums are like the same size or some of them have gotten bigger the ones that were built more recently but Mm -hmm. right like what else was there but if you think about it now you can watch baseball games anywhere across the country Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that back then TV stations, like, you could watch them, you know, you I think you would almost have to go see them in person, or you could, like, mm-hmm. listen to it on the radio, I guess. Yeah. But you still might not be able to get games that were, like, out of state. For sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I just feel like there's much more, like, facial recognition, like, you would see or nowadays like you see them on screen the camera quality is much better versus before it would be on radio or you'd be going to see them in person which you probably can't see them very closely i don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. i i can see your point that it's likely back then that you would have been more familiar with like the baseball players in your community yeah and there could also be an aspect of like the accessibility of them like being oh my god i can see so and so in you know like the train on the train or whatever or something like getting a glimpse of like this person that like 
you know, it's well, a true, big like deal. local celebrities yeah, versus like, yeah, national exactly, celebrities. Yeah. I don't know. One was like Audrey Hepburn, a thing. Or Catherine Hepburn. I don't know. Uh, like, was, are you talking about like Breakfast at Tiffany's? That's I, Audrey. I don't know. Either. either and then there's the Catherine Hepburn. She's another. Actress. When, but they were like big celebrities during their time, right? right. Like national. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe there was some sort of memes for people to, like, be keeping tabs on. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, they might be followed by, like, magazines, mm-hmm. or they're in movies, so you're definitely seeing them. Yeah. And they're, you know, probably being reported on the newspaper if they're in the area or whatever. Um, I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Baseball's not that exciting for me, so I don't really care but Agreed. like we went to baseball games and like evan knew pretty much everyone that was playing but like how many people actually know everyone or versus like i can probably name like a couple baseball players that i know are just like the best of the best in the league right now so i've like heard their name or seen it on like more mainstream not just sports media um mm-hmm. you know yeah. like no I couldn't Barry tell you Bonds one. or like well yeah I mean not now but yeah. like older <laughs> or like yeah. Sammy Sosa or um, did you know that Babe Ruth was white yes <laughs> I did not Jarrell thinks I'm crazy for that but I'm like whatever and I think Wayne Gretzky is also wait that's not baseball I don't know nothing <laughs> I, the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you what sport. Um, but yeah, that's just my random, but, like, oh, never well, knew. <laughs> perfect example. Like, Tom Brady. Like, I know the name Tom Brady. Okay, you're... But fr- I don't know anything about okay. football. All right, you live in Boston. <laughs> okay, but even before I lived in Boston, like, I knew who Tom Brady was. Or I'm trying to think of, like, could another pick, football could you player. Could Tom Brady out in a lineup? Um... I like to think so, but if you put, like, a bunch of, like, attractive, like, in-shape 40-year-old men all next to each other, I might not be able to, but... <laughs> I'm gonna send you a series of pictures and see who you can identify. I think I'd be able to. I think I'd be able to. Anyway, getting back on topic... <laughs> okay, this part is kind of funny. Um, But, so... At this point in the story, Eddie, you know, he's got the note. He might be familiar with the last name Burns. Um, his son would later thought that he had a hot honey on the line. So he's like, oh, there's just this girl. She's trying to, like... See, I feel like this was, like, the equivalent of, like, sliding into someone's DMs, you know? <laughs> like, nowadays. Where someone... Could, like, you don't know them at all, but if they slide into your DMs, you're like, okay, I guess I'll... But even then, you might have, like, more information than whatever. You know, they didn't have DM sliding back then, so he was like, maybe this girl's after me. Um, So her plan was to stab Eddie, but after she opened the door, I guess he, like, rushed by her to go sit on the chair. So she changed her plans and went to her closet to get the twenty-two caliber rifle she had recently purchased. Um, But isn't that, like, just so bold? Like... There's no, hey, how are you? You know what I mean? Like, you just go straight in. Like, I don't know. Like, you could have sussed it out a little bit, sir. I suppose. But also to consider, I feel like if it's a young, attractive 
woman. I mean, she was 19 at the time. I feel like you're not going to think that you're not going to assume that you're in danger of any sort. Well, yeah. I mean, not even just, you know, taking danger off the table. Like, you communicate with somebody that you may or may not, you know, be about to get down and dirty with. How do I know you? Yeah. Hey, how are you? Or can I confirm what's your name again? (laughs) Yes. What is this important information? Yeah. I. What if she really did have important information to give him? We're not gonna about to me to her. It's not cool. Judge the victim here, okay? (laughs) Um. So, Eddie. She was planning to stab him, but he went inside. Um, so she went to get the twenty-two caliber rifle. Um, the fact that she, she had just recently purchased this gun, um, a little PSA, I feel like, for... I know this was a long time ago, but, like, stricter background checks, people. Like, maybe that could have prevented something like this. Um, so she told Eddie, I have a surprise for you, and pulled out the gun. She told him to move towards the window. She said, for two years, you've been bothering me, and now you're going to die. Ruth pulled the trigger and shot Eddie on the right side of his chest. Eddie thought that she was, like, kidding right up until she shot him. Because, like, in what world would you imagine some random stranger who put a note on your door is just going to shoot you? Uh, and as he laid, when they start wielding a gun... <laughs> true but i feel like you're in shock at that point you're just like (laughs) i don't know um so as he laid on the floor bleeding he said oh baby what did you do that for and ruth had so ruth had the gun because she originally planned to take her own life after she stabbed him and she couldn't find another bullet for the gun to carry that out um (laughs) so Ruth called down, actually, to the front desk, telling them that she had just shot a man. An article in the Miami News reported the next day that Ruth went to wait on a bench near the elevator, while an article that came out later in the Washington Times said she held Eddie's head in her lap until help arrived. Uh, And it was likely that Eddie would have died if she had not I mean, she shot him in the first place, but if she hadn't called that quickly to the front desk. See, that's where it gets... A little confusing to me and I think it's somewhat important to consider whether she just like went and sat near the elevator or whether she held him mm-hmm. was she experiencing regret after this did she you know snap out of it did she you know not really realize what she was doing until after she did it and then express remorse afterwards or did she just like leave him there walk away and sit without like there being emotion involved like i don't really know where her frame of mind is at i guess also so i guess she's either you said later going to be diagnosed with schizophrenia right yes so presumably like there's like a delusion going on right here Mm -hmm. right and so i guess i don't understand and maybe they're like it's probably possibly difficult to make sense of it what the delusion is if it starts out as her like being obsessed then kind of that shifting of like i can't have you no one will but then like in the moment she's like you've been bothering me for too long or whatever Mm -hmm. and so is the obsession like does she believe that like her obsession with him is like 
like quote unquote him bothering her you know like that preoccupation is like something that maybe to her is like being inserted in her mind mm-hmm. I guess I'm confused about what right. it is. could be it could be like intrusive thoughts of like I can't get you out of my head but also too like we're only getting so much yeah. of this side and also like we're getting the media's report so mm-hmm. who knows how they've like dramatized it um yeah i'm not i'm not too sure yeah because i think typically a you know we know that schizophrenia there's delusions and hallucinations so hallucinations would be like hearing or seeing things that aren't actually there whereas delusions are having like a very strongly held belief about something that's not true so exactly like natalie's saying you know if the delusion was you have to kill this man he's you know the devil or like some like falsely held belief but it's a little bit unclear Mm -hmm. what's going on um i don't know i don't i don't have a good answer for you there um But so she was arrested and charged with assault with intent to murder. When questioned about the shooting, Rue said she wasn't sure why she had done it. She said it was to do something exciting in her life. Um, That's the media's report. So, like, I don't really know where that answer came from. But uh, Mm -hmm. so they took Ruth to Eddie's hospital room you know as as you do in an investigation you take the perpetrator to the victim's room in the hospital where they're recovering from being shot from that perpetrator um totally normal um and she relayed to him like she's like i don't know why i did this it seemed like she was expressing some type of remorse to him um And before going to court, she told a psychiatrist, she was like, I just don't want to be nervous all of my life, Um, you know, having these thoughts of this person. And she later told reporters it felt like there was a lot of tension building up in her, and she thought that killing would help relieve it. Mm -hmm. So she had first seen Eddie three years prior, and I guess at some point said, like, oh, he reminded me of my father. Um... And supposedly the urge to kill had been present for the past two years. Um, So who knows? Maybe there was something going on with her. Maybe there was, like, delusions related to that that just didn't make it to the media of something Mm -hmm. to do with her father having some sort of, you know, maybe there was trauma there. Maybe there was delusional thoughts comparing the two. I don't really know. Um... So, her counsel presented a petition to the court requesting a sanity hearing. A court-appointed psychiatrist testified that she was facing schizophrenia and also called her an immature individual. And I don't think that... I mean, she was, like, 19, so no matter what, I feel like there's some level of immaturity there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, I wanted to ask this a second ago, um, kind of related to, like, the stuff with her father... I don't, and this I guess is a general question, and you may or may not be as familiar with schizophrenia. I'm not super familiar with the psychosis um, things, but is is it common potentially to have more than one, like multiple, like delusions, ex- like 
at the same time. I believe, yes, I believe so. Okay. So much so that there may need to be more than one, like, delusion or hallucination present to even get that diagnosis. Oh, okay. Well, there, too, has to be, like, other symptoms present well, yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, my thought is, like, if there, there, it could make, the thing that might make this whole thing in terms of, like, me trying to understand her thinking, um, or what was going on is, like, co-occurring delusions that are kind of playing off of each other in some ways. Um, sure. Yeah, but go on. Go forth. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just quickly pulling up Cleveland Clinic, because I don't have my DSM-5 next to me. Um, but according to the DSM-5, a diagnosis of schizophrenia is made if a person has two or more of the core symptoms, one of which must be hallucinations, delusions, or disorganized speech for at least one month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question, but... M. It doesn't. Also, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm also unsure of what the criteria was for schizophrenia back yeah. in, you know, the earlier... 1900s it could have been there was different diagnostic criteria i would imagine it would be less you know less things required to need a diagnosis so who knows who knows um so three weeks after the shooting a judge declared ruth insane and committed her to a psychiatric psychiatric hospital the judge also struck with leave to reinstate the grand jury's indictment of the charge of assault with intent to commit murder which would allow the prosecutors to refile the charge if ruth was recovered so ruth was released a mere three years after being placed in an institution Eddie declined to press charges, telling the assistant state's attorney that he just wanted to forget about it and move on with his life. Eddie had been unable to return to baseball for the rest of the season as he was recovering from being shot um, and had to undergo multiple surgeries, and his numbers were never the same after the shooting. It was also said he developed an addiction to alcohol after the incident which is very unfortunate. It was a very traumatic incident. I would imagine that back in the day, it wasn't encouraged that men go and talk to a therapist about their trauma or two. I imagine there's a lot of like conflicting, you know, in some ways it felt like he, or it seemed like he was, you know, if it had been like a man who shot him, I wonder if he would have been more inclined to press charges versus, like, a young woman. There could be something there about, like, oh, it's a young woman. I don't want to mess with that. Who knows? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But Mm -hmm. after her release, Ruth faded from the public eye. She moved in with her parents in a small apartment on the north side of Chicago. She declined to talk to reporters about the shooting and lived a quiet and secluded life. We know that Ruth and her family purchased a home a few miles from the hotel where she shot Eddie. Ruth, which, I don't know if that's fair, if they were living in the north side of Chicago, which they were living there before, like, just coincidentally, it might end up being a few miles away. I don't think that that would be an intentional decision, but um, Ruth lived 
in that home for the rest of her life, living there with her sister after her parents passed away in the 1990s. Her sister passed away in 2007, and after that, Ruth had full-time caregivers employed in the home. It is unknown if Ruth held job or held down a job post-arrest. A neighbor believes she might have been working an office job for 35 years, but there were never any court records or background checks confirming this information. So it could be possible that she had a job, maybe was like getting paid under the table, didn't have like her name on the books or anything like that. Um, but Ruth passed away in 2012 after accidentally falling in her home. She had remained so far out of the public eye that her death was not publicly reported until three months after it happened. Reporters of the Chicago Tribune were searching through death records related to another story when they came across her name and someone made the connection like, oh, that's the, the woman who attempted to kill Eddie, Eddie Regis. So it can seem... I feel like alarming, as we discussed earlier, that Eddie was so willing to go to Ruth's room, but like I said, celebrity stalking and assassination, I, you know, I don't know if it's possible if it was happening, but it just wasn't widely reported at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So stalking actually wasn't even illegal at the time of this attack. California was the first state to criminalize stalking in 1990. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's not that long ago. (laughs) <laughs> really? Not that long ago. Well, I mean, it's over 30 years ago, so maybe, depending on your perspective, it was a long time ago. <laughs> like, no matter what to us, I feel like in, like, 2050, we're going to be like, 1990 wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, like the 90s were 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. It always seems like they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, anyway... In a study of stalkers by Mullen et al. published in 2000, there were five types of identified stalkers. Rejected stalkers who follow their victims after rejections like divorce or getting fired from a job. Resentful stalkers who have a sense of grievance against the victims and have an urge to scare their victim. Um, Intimacy seekers who try to establish an intimate relationship with their victim. Predatory stalkers who are spying on their victim with a plan to like attack or sexually assault their victim and incompetent suitors or those who may have really poor social or courting skills but develop a fixation or a sense of entitlement to have an intimate relationship with the person they are attracted to. Um, So I don't know if Ruth fits quite perfectly into any of these, I think it's, you know, common for there to be some crossover too. Um, but not all stalkers face are facing a mental illness. So according to research in the US and Australia, approximately 50% of people identified as stalkers were diagnosed with a form of a personality disorder, schizophrenia, or other type of psychotic disorder, the most common being depression or substance use. So I think that's important to remember, too, that not all stalkers are people who are mentally ill. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I've been super um, obsessed with figuring out, like, after you mentioned um, what the, di- <clears throat> pardon me, what the diagnostic criteria 
must have been back then. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so while you were speaking, I have been doing some Googles. Um, so interestingly, the DSM-1 did not come out until the 19th, or until 1952. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so this was before they had diagnostic criteria. It was based off of something else that I haven't Googled yet, but... Um, well, schizoph- <clears throat> that would fall under, like, a medical diagnosis anyway i would imagine i, I right? don't know what the, like I don't it, know what it probably could be it was well i, I mean, mean if, it wasn't just like no one knew what it was I, well I'm for sure, sure well yeah i mean every presumably most things back then like you hear stories about like you know women who were experiencing depression going to a doctor and being diagnosed with hysteria and being treated in ridiculous ways um but i was just curious like what maybe kind of what the progression based off of what we know now um Mm -hmm. is like and so the dsm-2 is what i could find and apparently that's not very different from the dsm-1 um at least not for the psychosis stuff um or Mm -hmm. schizophrenia and they don't even like like there's not real criteria like they just define it and so it's like disturbances in thinking um are marked by alterations of concept formation which leads to misinterpretation of reality and sometimes delusions and hallucinations so like I think they were, you know, diagnosing people differently back then. That's just my. Mm, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of people could have schizophrenia. <laughs> Based on that, yeah, you're misinterpreting reality, um, which I do every day, I guess. Oh well, <laughs> thanks for for looking that up. That's very helpful to know. Yeah. So. I feel like I should have looked it up if I was no. a better podcast. You had no idea that I would be asking all of these thought-provoking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It is interesting to think about how much, you know, everything has has changed as far as the DSM. Yeah. I, didn't, I feel like I should have known that, like, that when the first DSM came out. I've been doing so much studying on the DSM these past few weeks that you would think but i don't think right now it's important that i know the history of the dsm <laughs> so like in 1952 what was the requirement of the diagnosis? what if that's person? a question oh my god i would scream <laughs> well yeah because that's what my exam is is like they give you a bunch of like case examples <laughs> so what if they're like in 190 or in 19 like 50 five a person presents like this and this and you like you were a doctor back then or you're a provider back then like (laughs) what would you diagnose them as uh hysteria (laughs) whatever it was a she was possessed by a devil it was her time of the month (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh so many things have changed makes you think what are things gonna look i mean i i would hope that the information that we have now is like pretty you know inclusive of everything mm-hmm. and that we have a, a, a lot of research but who knows what things will i mean there's still so many things in the field that that we don't know that for sure i i hope that we learn a lot more about yeah in the future um i've been watching or i started watching some random show it's in spanish but i do the english um dub thing um it's called it's on netflix called the cook of castamar and it's like set like you know back in like old 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 times i have no idea what year um and 
one of the characters, I think agoraphobia is probably what she's experienced. Like, she can't go outside. Like, extreme panic, like, start spinning, like, just can't, like, go outside. Um, Mm -hmm. And someone notices that she's experiencing that, and they go to her and they're like, you have fear of fear, don't you? (laughs) So that's how they describe, um, I guess, really bad anxiety. Um, then was fear of fear and I'm I'm interested if like is that how you know obviously like panic disorders and anxiety disorders and stuff like that are not new like now that we mm-hmm. have the language to describe them and so I'd be interested to know like is that really how they were describing it back then could be fascinating perhaps yeah fear of fear isn't that didn't the president say that like, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah, the one from Boston. Oh, JFK. Yeah. Was I that think. a good impression? No. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. I, I know very little about the world before 1994. So. Um, we just watched The Butler on mm, Netflix, actually, movie. yesterday. Um, and so that's why, like, JFK is fresh in my mind, because James Marston was portraying JFK, I'm which a, I thought was very interesting. I'm a James Marston fan. He's a nice Me too. Fan. Yeah. I like, he I usually like him in things. Went to Oklahoma State. That's sad. It's unfortunate. Only for, like, a semester. <laughs> and, well, he was, like, in a fraternity, and so... I was like in that fraternity's house and found his composite picture <laughs> on the wall. And it was a very exciting time for me because I think he's a cutie. Um, one of our co- for- former coworkers' dads went to um, high school with Obama. And so, like, when you go over there, he's like, You want to see my high school yearbook? <laughs> Oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, but yeah, you went to high school with Obama. <laughs> oh, I wonder if anyone I went to high school with will end up becoming super famous. Well, I guess someone I went to high school with is on the Black Charettes podcast, but oh. I wouldn't say that's like wildly famous. I went to high school it's with... something. I went to high school with an Olympian... And then I went to high school with this kid who was in, like, a Disney movie. Um, And that's... I don't think I have gone to school with other famous people. Or people who have become notable, I guess. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I mean, there have been famous people who went to my high school. The the Panabakers. Well, did you go to school at the same time with them? No. Okay, so... They just went... The the older one, even. I don't even yeah. think it was the younger one. The older one went to my high school. So, interesting. I talk about them a lot. <laughs> I talk about them a lot in drills. I'm like, oh my god, remember Kay Panabaker? And he's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, you don't know Kay Panabaker? And, like, this is the conversation every single time. And I'm like, by now you should know who Kay Panabaker is. Um, also, Danielle Panabaker. Very cool. She's in... She wasn't Supergirl. I don't know what she's in now, but <laughs> yeah. You went to high school. I don't know. Bakers. <laughs> well, the older one went to my high school at some point in time. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. all I got. And Evan Lysacek, the figure skater, although in the Olympics, I don't know that other people know who he is, but he won gold, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, I know. Back I know like you're the, ta- the name sounds familiar. Two thousands, I want to say. Yeah, it was a thing. Ugh, I should I should know more about this. You know, I became an expert on figure skating when we did our Tanya Harding case. So shame on me. Basically, <laughs> I think actually around the time we were like moving when I was in high school, and Evan Lysacek's parents' house was for sale. And so, like, I almost lived in Evan Lysacek's. <laughs> you almost had his old bedroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? No. Okay. All this right. just went off the deep this end. This got weird, this guys. This not exciting anymore. <laughs> Stay tuned for my case. Okay. Um, oh, wait. All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, cool. So, I am going to do my case. So, my case is pretty short. Like, it's like a page and a half, and it's, like, bulleted. So, <laughs> like, pretty short, but... Bring it on. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun one. It's super recent, so there hasn't been, like, a outcome just yet. Okay. Um, let me make this move on on this game right quick. <laughs> Oh, I really do have a problem. Anyway. For the listeners, Natalie's playing Rummy Cube. She's very professional. She uh keeps it real. Keeps I have to train because Jarell and I play it. Like we have the actual game and I refuse to lose. Therefore Excuse me. God bless you. Um yeah, so I have to train to keep my keep my mind sharp. I guess so. I should get in on this phone game thing. I see people playing games on their phone, and I feel like that's better for you than what I do, which is just, like, scrolling through Instagram. Mm, Yeah. I also, I play Uno on it, and I'm obsessed with that, too. So, join me. Join me at Uno. We can actually play with each other. It'll be great. Wait. Okay. Yeah. I'll do it. I used to play Uno all the time when I worked with kids. Yeah, it's it's fun, and they have, like, different versions. It's great. Um, okay, guys, or I don't know. People apparently say you can't say guys anymore, but to me, I think guys is, like, gender neutral, at least in my mind, because I'm like, everyone's a guy to me, but I don't mean I think, like, collectively, guys yeah. to me means, like, uh, use guys. Um, so it's a cultural thing for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I believe you. No, uh, that's just a stupid excuse. But. <laughs> but yeah, I don't mean to alienate anyone. So, yeah. Um, all right. So I'm doing the case of Rafaela Spone. Um, so you probably, I feel like this like became like a little bit of a meme or something um, going around the internet. So people may be aware, but um, I'll start with some background. Um, so this whole thing is about deep faking. And so in the last decade, deep fake videos have gained like kind of rapid popularity. Um, I think like one of the things that propelled it into being more popular were, I don't know if you remember, but like somebody created like those deep fake videos of like Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. like making fun of Donald Trump. Um, Yeah. So, and then I think people then started making deep fakes of like Donald Trump saying things and yeah. And so the whole deep faking thing has gotten to some, in some ways a little out of hand because, um, 
Well, I guess, you know, to explain to anyone who doesn't know what deep faking is. So it's like a piece of, according to Wikipedia, synthetic media. Um, And so it's basically just like more advanced photo manipulation or video manipulation. And so um, the video content is basically faked to use someone's face. Um, And sometimes you can splice in audio from that person or someone else's audio. And so you'll make someone make it look like someone saying something that they never actually said. Um, And, you know, obviously, as technology gets better, um, like it's harder to identify and detect now than it was in years past. Um, And that's, you know, because of just different advancements in machine learning and um, artificial technology. And so the use of deep fake technology has been has varied from I just lost in the game by the way (laughs) oh no the horror (laughs) that was 100 coins um sorry guys now my attention is just on this so um the use of deep fake technology has varied from like kind of harmless entertainment like those videos of donald trump or sorry of like barack obama off like weren't really they were meant to be entertaining i don't think anyone was trying to like make it seem like you know uh he was saying like he actually had said um that stuff um and also i think there's been like a deep fake of like robert de niro like um in something and so a lot of it is just entertainment but of course with most things people do find a sinister way to use them and so um the different uses have varied from doing like celebrity porn or revenge porn um fake news different hoaxes um financial fraud and blackmail and so this case is about blackmail um and so you'd think that like such like for using such a powerful piece of technology blackmailers would be aiming high right like i'm gonna blackmail the ceo of this company or you know someone but um like they're I guess you know people with small small goals also have decided to use this um so I don't know I don't know how else to describe this but um so sometime in 2020 police were contacted by the parents of a high school cheerleader notifying them that their daughter had been receiving harassing text messages from an anonymous number and then two more families came forward with similar harassing with basically alleging similar harassing messages um and so allegedly and i'm going to keep saying allegedly and emphasizing the allegedly um part of this since one it's ongoing and who knows what the truth is um And so allegedly the three teenagers received texts and phone calls, again, from an anonymous number that urged them to quit the team. And the texter or phone caller caller, uh, leveraged compromising compromising photos and videos of them. Um, Also, to make matters worse, which I think is in some, I guess it's one of the worst parts of this, is that the caller or texter also was like encouraging them to kill themselves which i think is absolutely like i think that's an awful thing to do to any human being but especially yeah especially at such a critical period of like 
child, like, you know, uh, like teen years, like that kind of emerging adult phase. Like, Mm -hmm. I just like, why would you do something like that? Um, Which also reminds me of that one case where the teenage girl had like encouraged her boyfriend to end his life and he did right oh, i want to do that case one day <laughs> okay i was gonna say we should cover it if you yeah. if you want it it's yours yeah maybe we could just focus on that or something anyway do like a deep dive yes um so as far as the images so the teenagers said that they received images and videos of them doing things that were specifically against the squad's code of conduct and I'm pretty sure one or two of them went on Good Morning America to like vehemently say that it's not them in the videos, not them in the pictures. They never did those things. Um, and so specifically, these pictures, um, as I said, were violating the code of conduct. And so it showed them vaping, drinking. This I'm not really sure how it's violating, but in bikinis, I don't see what the problem with... Probably, like, posting lewd or sexual photos to social media. Sometimes in their, um, like, you sign, like, a contract or something, and it's often very vague about, like, you have to uphold these certain rules. Um, I actually just read a book called Nobody's Victim by Carrie Goldberg that brings up the case of, like, cheerleaders and, um, like, dancers in high schools who were punished for when their um, nudes got leaked. Um, So, like, some dude shared their photos, and then it was said, like, you're not upholding the values of our squad, so you're off the team, even though it was like the guys had released their photos without their permission mm-hmm. um and it was totally crazy it's by uh carrie goldberg is actually a lawyer that advocates for um victims rights when it comes to like exploitation like of like nude pictures and, and things like that so it seems like pretty related to to yeah. your case as far as and it'll be like horrifying to see what happens with deep fakes if you can just take anyone's picture and put it on something else. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that's dumb though is like cheerleaders, like it, they're not in turtlenecks. So fair. Like I don't know. I'm like, how different is like a bikini? <laughs> like it's not like they're um, wearing a bikini at the grocery store. They're wearing a bikini where people wear bikinis, but... Right. Yeah, I mean... Right. Of course, there's always, like, super sexist um, rules well, also, to... Yeah. Two, it just seems like a bad idea to me. If a kid is going through a tough time and, like, if they're, like, vaping or drinking and they get caught, to me, it seems like a stupid idea to kick them off something that they are, like committed to and where they have a sense of belonging and Mm -hmm. like there has to be a different way to go about that because to me that just says like you don't have to care about and like Mm -hmm. my mindset as like a teenager might be like well if I don't have this then I don't care anymore so Mm -hmm. I'm like going off the deep end like shouldn't the goal be like rehabilitate rehabilitating teens instead of like and ruining their lives uh, yeah. at the time. And enforcing, like, some discipline. Like, kids are going to step out of line. Like, that just happens. You know, even the most perfect kid, like, has a misstep. Um, even if it's, like, varying degrees of severity. And so, like, 
traditionally sports and stuff requires a certain level of discipline and you have more like I think it encourages accountability not just to like yourself but like to others and so you would think like you'd want to reinforce that a little bit and like Mm -hmm. also reinforce like that sense of community um but yeah like punishing for things like that may like punishing with being kicked off might not be the best approach um so additionally um there were also pictures i think of one of the girls naked in a public area that were being used against them and so i have thoughts on this that i will talk about later um and so again, all of the message were, messages were sent from an anonymous phone number. And so the Bucks County Police investigated and they determined that the videos were digital, digitally altered to appear authentic. And so in other words, they were deep faked. According to police, the images were created by mapping pictures of the girls found on social media onto other images of, you know, someone else naked or in a bikini or drinking or vaping. They traced the phone numbers that were used to text the girls or to harass the girls to a website that sells phone numbers to telemarketers. Then they found the IP address. Pardon me. So then they found the IP address and like linked them back to the home of 50 year old Rafaela Spone. And she was the mom of another cheerleader on the same team as the victims. Um, And so, like, I don't, I know this is, like, dumb and sexist and, you know, possibly the wrong take, but it, like, annoys me even more that it was a woman. I don't think that's sexist at all. I think that that is taking a look at a very realistic perspective that it's acknowledging that, like, we as women, our bodies are scrutinized more heavily by society so it you know we would hope that someone who is has been exposed to the same type of scrutiny would have a little bit more understanding Mm -hmm. so if anything it's like being (laughs) anti-sexist because in a perfect world those standards wouldn't exist at all but Mm. in in this case it's just like especially I feel like it's along the same lines of like the concept of like in workplaces you'll notice that there are women at the top but there are very few women and oftentimes it's because there's like a tendency to like yank up the ladder behind you yeah um so it's just like pitting women against women it's like you're giving into those own stereotypes that are being used against you which is just rude yeah and the other thing in addition to that is also like one you're a woman but you're also the mother of a daughter and so like presumably you know typically a mother's kind of goal right is to like identify the threats to your kid and like protect them against that and you know that your kid like even if your daughter isn't doing things like that like drinking or vaping or whatever um or being naked in a public space or you know what have you like if you can do this to someone else's kid this can easily be done to yours and so just i don't know it's just weird to me that this is that this was something that she would do um, stupid what she's doing and what 
in your mind makes it acceptable for you to like kids are kids like i feel like a kid could be very mean to me but i am not personally going to do anything against a kid because they are just a kid and like versus like if an adult were to say something mean to me i might be like what's up with that but like you know if it's a like i am not going to go out of my way to harm a child in any way because they are a child and that's just extra cruel yeah exactly um and so the police um kind of or of course they like you know show up at her home and they're like yo chick what the heck um and so they search her phone and they found evidence linking her to the phone numbers that were anonymously sending those text messages and so in march of 2021 police arrested rafaela and charged her with three counts of cyber harassment of a child three counts of harassment um, and of course, the entire time, like Rafaela has denied deep faking anyone. Um, but police say that she developed and carried out this plot um, using these deep faked images to destroy the reputation of these three girls because um, they were her daughter's rivals on the team. And she wanted to she wanted them to either quit or like, you know, get kicked off the team um in any way like possible and i still don't understand like the goal of that like were they like rivals for like team captain or like were these girls bullying your daughter not that any of this like justifies it but i'm like they're on the same team Mm -hmm. so i don't like (laughs) sure Um, it's not like a bring it on situation i guess um but wait there's more rachel before we condemn her um so two months after rafaela was arrested so was that march april may so in may (laughs) um the district attorney matt matt weintraub sure (laughs) um he revealed that the police actually had no definitive evidence that rafaela created the images but not only that they had no evidence that the images were actually deep faked. Like they, you know, can't like didn't test it. Like there's no evidence that says these are not like, or that these, yeah, that these are not authentic images. Um, and so I'm thinking that if there is no evidence and they didn't like, there's either no way to test it. I'm not sure. Or they tested it and it was inconclusive and they may just be going from the word of the parents of the girls who were like i didn't do this Mm. um and i think i'm like it's so again i believe what rafaela has done is wrong especially in terms of harassing telling people to kill themselves leveraging these videos but i do think that there is a possibility that these are actual images of these girls like it's not unheard of for teenagers to drink or smoke um and you know maybe these are videos that like her daughter had access to or her daughter took something Mm -hmm. and she's kind of leveraging that against them um and then potentially like the girls knowing that this is something that can get them kicked off of the team or at least in trouble saying Mm -hmm. that it's not them um like one of the girls i think on good morning america said that she was like um you know i know that's not me in the video but 
how do I prove it if there's evidence? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, there's two ways to look at it. They could very well be deep faked. It could also be, like, these girls trying to save themselves. Either way, don't harass children right. ever. And the other thing um, that I haven't, I guess, talked about, I don't, I don't understand why she wasn't charged with anything for the naked image. Um, because, like, right. even if, like, they're kids, right? Like, you can't just share naked pictures of children. And so even if it technically is deep faked, it's still the likeness of a child. Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand how that's not, like, child pornography or, like, something related to that. And so that charge I haven't seen, like, re- talked about or reported anywhere. But I would imagine that especially if they believe that these images could actually be authentic then that should be a charge. Like, you're not sending naked pictures of my kid, like, Mm, anywhere. Like, (laughs) like what? Um, Anyway, so still, um, Rafaela's charges remain the same um, since she, like, like, wasn't technically charged with anything specifically related to deep faking. It was three counts of harassment of a child and three counts of harassment in general. Um, and so the DA has even said, like, no matter what, harassment is a crime. It is illegal for an adult to harass a child. Pennsylvania law does not permit an adult to repeatedly and anonymously annoy, alarm, or harass someone. Um, and similarly, a judge, um, Regina Armitage, co-signs that, saying that there's enough evidence to keep um, the charges as they are. Um, there's even, like, a voice recording of Rafaela, like, literally telling them to kill themselves. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I do think it's right that her charges remain i'm interested to see how things kind of unfold with the deep faking side of things and if that you know requires or leads to a more serious charge which i think either way it probably should in related mm-hmm. in relation to sending naked pictures of kids like even if you're sending it to them you can't send it like you're not even allowed to have it so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that is the case of the potentially deep faking mom harassing her her child's rivals slash teammates. That's so sad and so incredibly sucky. It's like, even if, I guess, it's so unfair because whether or not the videos are real, they were not shared with these girls' consent. So, I guess the whole, like, whether it was deep faked or not doesn't really matter, but it could be so potentially embarrassing because you don't want to confirm that they are real. Um, But I guess, does that even help? If you did not intend to share them, then it's not... I don't know. It just reminds me of all these cases from that book of, like, young men boys rather like sharing naked photos and then the girl is the one who like gets kicked out of school and gets all this punishment and Mm -hmm. is like ostracized and it's just like well they didn't even intend to to send it and you know i think among other things like the whole and this i guess is not related to your topic but just like a rant of my own um (laughs) kids are going to 
exchange nudes or take pictures of themselves also too like doing things that are stupid you know thank goodness like facebook and stuff was only like kind of coming into recognition you know now there's like snapchat and uh tiktok and and all that where i feel like kids are sharing videos of themselves doing stupid things where like kids have been doing stupid things since uh the world began but there wasn't necessarily like video evidence of it so (laughs) they were maybe not held to as higher of a standard or was easier to kind of sweep it under the rug um but yeah i mean like what are we as a society going to do when pictures like this come up like in this case i think it's good that they went after the person who originated them but in many other cases you know if they're shared like anonymously or um maybe by like a boy or Mm -hmm. you know it gets passed around in the school to the point where you can't really trace it back to the original person um who's at fault there is that person going to be is the person in, in the video or the picture going to be punished even though they did not consent for this image to be shared or um you know two like i feel like we need police officers to be able to catch up um you know maybe receive like additional training or hire people who are specifically um aware and like to change our laws so that we are able to go after people for like I hear you saying like cyber crimes and things like that. I think that is like very, very new legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still a lot that needs to be um, updated or two, it would be wonderful if we had people on police forces who could specifically address cyber crimes or like mm-hmm. virtual crimes For because sure. yeah, like online harassment, online bullying, sharing of nude photos for the longest time cops couldn't do anything about it Mm -hmm. you know they couldn't they didn't have the resources to go through and like trace ip addresses and like things like that so i guess it is good to hear that they took care of that in this case because that hasn't always been you know listening to that well i guess i I just shared it was an audiobook i didn't actually read it but (laughs) i did i read it with my ears um (laughs) but yeah like there were cases where like people would be getting death threats online and um they like knew who was doing it but just because they didn't have the actual proof and like getting her like there was this one guy who this person kept making grinder profiles Mm -hmm. and sending people to this dude's house saying like if i say no it's all part of the the game like i'm into like rape fantasies or like oh my god yeah so like that's messed up you're essentially sending someone over to like assault someone else and like that's so messed up for that person and i don't know it's also a little weird the person doing it but i guess if you're if you believe that it's two consensual adults and that it's just like a game or like that you're playing or whatever then like but yeah it's like the whole virtual crime thing is there needs to be a lot I think we need to catch up in the field because it is there's potential to do great harm there. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, um, I definitely don't think it should be risen to like crime level when like kids send like pictures of themselves to each other. I do think it 
becomes a problem when people are sharing things that weren't meant for other people. I don't know if that should get classified almost into the revenge porn kind of category, but I know like certain states are starting to like make strict laws about like revenge mm-hmm. porn and stuff. I think California is one of those states. Um, but yeah, like I co-sign everything. Um, I think I think it was Dan Savage on his podcast that he was like, you know, and it was a couple a few years ago that I listened to it, but um where he he was talking about how like Anthony Weiner and like which appropriate last name and like oh, other uh, <laughs> and like other um uh politicians have had to like step down or admit that they have a problem um like in the years past because like it got revealed that they sent like you know a suggested suggestive picture of you know their lower extremities to someone um and in some of those cases it wasn't like unsolicited it was like you know they were having that sort of a conversation and um, it led to exchanging those pictures and how they've had to like step down. And um, I think his like whole kind of thing was like, at some point we're going to have to get over this because at some point, like we're never going to like have like a president again, who has not taken a suggestive picture of their body. Um, Like, because that just is what happens. Like, especially if we're, it's not like teen, it's not like cell phones. It's not like you become like 25 and then you get a cell phone for the first time. It's like you have a cell phone as a kid and you're probably going to like, whether it's like a full naked or like, you know, just something a little risque. Or even just like, you're going to post things that you're not proud of. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that's a whole different argument where I don't really know where I stand on for for instance as you know bachelor fans um like taylor nolan having um and like rachel and i were never fans of taylor nolan and so i will be honest that my opinion may be a little kind of harsher than it should be but just kind of thinking well we talk about it all the time how like people like our frontal lobes aren't developed until you know a certain age and so like holding somebody holding like a you know a 27 year old or a 30 year old or a 40 year old responsible for things that they said at like 19 or 20 or 18 or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. it's like how far do we go with that because like everyone has said or done something embarrassing something that they Mm -hmm. wouldn't agree with in the present moment like on the internet i'm like a perfect human being and even i (laughs) (laughs) even i have done things that i've regret like i've literally gone back and apologized to like someone because i like made like a horrendous like not nice like post about someone like a friend that I was like in a fight with absolutely yeah the things that have popped up on my like (laughs) Facebook reminder like most of them are just cringe because I'm like oh my god you are embarrassing please stop talking but like (laughs) yeah there's occasionally been things that I'm like wow that was like really insensitive or Mm -hmm. you know um especially like the the humor back in like the early 2000s or like 2010s was like it it was like funny to say things that were 
offensive and you know we've grown as a society we see that it's not that way but like certainly like if I were famous ever for any reason I'm like I could be canceled over the things that I've said before and like I don't even remember seeing them but I I do remember where my headspace was at and like seeing where the things the kind of like negative thought patterns I had or like the fact that I was uneducated about certain mm-hmm. things um so like even though I might not remember seeing things specifically I'm like okay I can identify that this is where I was like ignorant or yeah. um you know whatever else it might be but it's like yeah I, I wouldn't want to be judged for that I feel like Taylor Nolan might fall into a different category though because it was like so many things that were like yeah. so offensive it's kind of like Chrissy Teigen saying telling people to kill themselves it's like okay well I mean she was like 25 like <laughs> true yeah true but still yeah. like I don't I hope I've never in my life said that to someone <laughs> you know what's kind of um so two points um going to what you said like previously I made like a post on like Facebook a few years ago like several years ago where I was like oh my god um just so everyone knows like any any post that I made like before whatever year is like not reflective of who I am and like this teacher that I'm Facebook friends with she responded she goes oh in other words you were a teenager oh (laughs) yeah yes thank you exactly Um, but no like when I was in school and this is awful but like we would like it was just a thing to say like oh my god kill yourself like oh yeah in high school like it was just a thing and like we stopped when this boy at my school literally like accidentally like he was playing with a gun and he accidentally like ended his life and like once that happened like no one else ever said that again and it was like sometimes it takes like a hard lesson um but yeah, like kids say really dumb things for no right, rhyme or yeah. reason. Yeah, of course. And like when I said, I hope I hadn't told anyone to kill themselves. Yeah. I was kind of like alluding to that where, yeah, I think it's just like you say shocking things as kids because you want to see like what you can get away with. Or like it's one thing if both parties understand that it's not. I still don't think that you should say it. But if both parties understand that you're not like if it's something you're saying, joking it, yeah. around with friends versus like you're leaving an anonymous note in somebody's locker telling them to kill themselves um there's a difference Mm -hmm. between the two um so yeah i think that i don't know we totally like went off on a (laughs) yeah i mean to like loop it back especially if you're a grown woman like don't harass kids but also don't harass people in general right i guess the message totally unrelated to anything we've even been talking about too is to be accept like when it comes to like canceling people if it seems like they've done the work you know i think it's important to hold people accountable and to you know acknowledge why things are wrong and to want people to change like it's not a horrible thing to expect an apology from people or and two i think a lot of the whole cancel culture thing depends on how the person addresses it you know are they panicked are they like i don't need to apologize for this it was so long ago get over it or are they you know genuinely apologetic does it seem like they've done the work since then are you know if they're like famous like are you willing to like take a step back and like Mm -hmm. uh, take some time to reflect or like whatever it might be i think also to 
so you know it's important for us to be forgiving of others and how you handle the situation is very important mm-hmm. there's i just watched the show and it only has six episodes but it's so good on netflix called why are you like this um highly recommend it it's hilarious um but they have like a thing where there's like this really popular influencer who gets canceled for something and they bring in these teenagers and they're like or i guess they're probably like 20 somethings like really early gen z's or something Um, early 20s is basically a teenager (laughs) yeah and they're like they're like how do we solve this and they're like well first say you're sorry but don't say you're sorry if I made you feel this way, because you did make them feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, And I'm like, look, that's the key right there. Like, are you sorry? I'm sorry sorry. if you were offended by what I said. (laughs) That's not a real... That's like saying I'm sorry, but... Yeah. Like, like, don't do not I'm sorry, but, but, like, in the moment, you deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably had apologies like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, you suck. (laughs) Just kidding. End of episode. (laughs) (laughs) Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases. We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.